Hello, guys, gals, and anybody who falls in between. It's me, Maya, and I'm so excited because this is the first episode of the Loki series I will be doing on my podcast. So, let's let's just get right into it. So, our this was a crazy episode for starters. I mean, wow. It it was a lot. By the way, fair warning, um, if you haven't seen it, I highly suggest you don't listen any further. Go watch the episode first and then come back, okay? So, our first episode of the Loki Disney Plus series is called Glorious Purpose. Of course, what else would it be called? So, for those of you who haven't figured it out yet, this show kicks off from the point in in Endgame where the Avengers go or the time heist is happening and the Avengers go back to 2012 New York City to get and Tony Stark and Ant-Man are getting the Tesseract. Well, what happens is Ant-Man decides to give 2012 Tony a little 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 heart attack you know with his old chest thingy thing and then current Tony picks up the briefcase which holds the tesseract and starts walking away with it but then the Hulk comes bursting through the door and is like I hate stairs so then our current Tony and game Tony flies backwards the briefcase pops open, Tesseract slides out of it, and lands at none other than Loki's feet. He picks it up and nopes out of there real quick. Wood in the same, bro. But, um, so yeah. So that's where the show kicks off from. Uh, so for starters, our Marvel Studios intro is green and gold. Oh my gosh, that was so cool. I loved that. And then also, even though the like official like Loki intro, the it's it um where it shows like the name of the show, the it's a black and white intro, almost like it's on TV screen. And I noticed it. I don't know if anybody else noticed it, but they had like Norse runes popping up in there. Which I thought was a cool little detail that they added in. So yeah. So anyway, back to the actual plot of the episode. So, Loki then proceeds to fly out of the sky via a Tesseract portal. And lands in the Gobi Desert? Yeah, the Gobi Desert. And he lands there in the sand, which... The way he lands in the sand, a lot of people are making that reference back to, that it's a callback to when, in the first Iron Man movie, when Tony Stark first lands in the desert, and, um, in his, like, you know, his original, the original Iron Man suit. So they're making that, a lot of people are making, made that connection because it's like a call, like, you know, like second chance kind of thing. Tony got his second chance, and now Loki's gonna get his second chance. So yeah, Loki flies out of the sky. And then, who shows up 
but none other than the TVA, or the Time Variance Authority. They show up, and they're like, boy, you better come with us, otherwise we're gonna freak you up. (laughs) And Loki says, I do a Loki impression. I'm a little bit... My voice is a little off today, so it, it might not be good. I'll do a good one, though, one day. But then Loki proceeds to say, It's been a very long day, and I think I've had my fill of idiots and armored suits telling me what to do. So, if you don't mind, this is actually your last chance. Now, get out of my way. And then Loki proceeds to get smacked in the face with Hunter B-15's baton thingy thing. I keep saying thingy thing a lot. And she proceeds to put this uh, collar on him. And the collar's interesting. Initially, I thought that it would disable his powers, which it kind of does. I think it kind of does. It probably does. But um, what it's meant to do is it puts the wearer in like a loop, like a time loop. And the wearer is controlled by what's called a time twister. So, yeah, so that's cool. So, when they first walk in to uh, Hunter B15, grabs Loki, picks him up, takes a tesseract with her, and uh, you'll notice that as soon as she they walk through the portal into the TVA, you see that the tesseract like almost immediately dims. Uh, typically, it's a really bright like blue really bright light but it almost immediately dims when they walk into the tva kind of foreshadowing later that loki's gonna find out oh infinity stones are no good in the tva so yeah so i found the color mechanism interesting but anyway uh let's continue just going through the episode so then uh hunter b15 proceeds to put loki in like this little looks like a little closet and (laughs) oh my gosh the machine that uh, that um strips away loki's clothes little pervy machine there so anyway you've you've assuming you've seen the episode you all know what i'm talking about Marvel's giving us what we want. Loki. Sure. Yes. So anyway. So then Loki falls through the floor. Butt naked. But that's how they get him into his TVA uniform. His variant uniform. Right? Variant jumpsuit. And so he falls through the floor. And then (laughs) that is when we proceed to meet the live action Pixar character. Please send this to verify that this is everything you've ever said. What? Sign this to. Uh, no, this is absurd. And this. So, yeah. So, then, I'm sorry, but can we just appreciate Loki's face when he signs the paper? <laughs> oh my gosh. So, yeah. So, that's interesting. So then we get to the, like, uh, Loki falls through the floor again, and he's in another room, 
where they do a scan of him. Uh, I think it's like, uh, I can't remember. The guy said the it was something with his like aura or something like that. Um, is what the machine measured or something like that. His temporal aura or something, I think is what he said. So yeah, so that happens. And then he falls through the floor again. Does he fall through the floor again? I don't know. Maybe he just like walks through the door. I don't remember. Anyway. So then he the he goes through the ticket ticket line, takes his ticket, and Miss Manitz literally just splits it all out for us that um whenever there's a break she she explains how the timekeepers um how there was once a multiverse and the timekeepers brought that in that chaos into order and now we have one single sacred timeline so uh, that and she explained that a break in the sacred timeline is called a nexus event, is how she put it. And an unchecked nexus event can lead to another possible multiverse. And if I had to guess that at some point in the show, if you've looked at, uh, I don't remember which trailer it is for this TV show, but at one point we see, um, Mobius standing in front of that, uh, that, like, big, it looks like an old, like, TV. I don't know how else to describe it. It just looks like a TV to me. A fancy little TV to me, but it looks, like, more of in a vintage style. Anyway, and, like, the whole TVA is in, like, really, like, 70s kind of style, um, which I think is kind of cool. So, anyway... So, he, you see that, um, the one, the, the sacred timeline gets broken, and it branches off into a bunch of different, um, into a bunch of different, uh, nexus events. So, I'm assuming that at some point, that, considering the fact that Doctor Strange's movie is called Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness... I'm assuming the multiverse is not going to get fixed in this show. But this shows when it's going to happen. When we're going to get the multiverse. So, yeah. So, next we move on. Um, so, then we find out that there have been attacks on the Minutemen. Um, that's what, like, the hunters are called. So, like, Hunter B... B-15 is a minute, minute, man, minute, woman, whatever. Um, anyway, so we find, we find that out, that there's been repeated attacks on these Minutemen. Whenever there's a Nexus event, they hop through the portal, and then they get attacked. So, the one that we're looking at is in France, in, like, this Catholic church. Um, I don't remember what the year was. I didn't write it down. I'm, I'm looking off of a page of notes. By the way, because I don't want to forget what I want to say. So, we... So, Mobius proceeds to say that the stab wounds are consistent with the other attacks. Implying that it's been the same person. And that this is the sixth attack in the week. In a week. 
that they know of. So he said, Mobius says that the stab wounds are consistent with the other attacks. And what's Loki's main weapon that he uses? Daggers. Of course. So, implying that this very possibly is Loki. And the reset charge is gone, which is the thing that they use to reset the Nexus event. So, I'm wondering... Uh, you'd, you'd think that this person who is, you know, causing these attacks knows that they're eventually gonna find the Minutemen and then they'll just reset the Nexus event themselves. So, why take the reset charges? Are they making something? I don't know. But, I mean, yeah, I understand. I do understand why they're taking it. Obviously, so that... It can't be set at least, reset at least right away. So, then Mobius walks over to the little kid. And this is where I start to go a little crazy with my theories. This is where it gets good. So, uh, the kid, Mobius asks this this little kid who did this, if they saw. And the kid looks over to a stained glass window, clearly with some... And in which some satanic figure is depicted. And weren't we all theorizing in WandaVision that we were going to see Mephisto? Now, I know... um, Sorry. I don't remember who, but I think it was one of the Loki creators. They said that we're not going to see Mephisto in this. But... Which could very well be true, but then it begs the question, you know, we have a lot of signs in this scene that we're going to meet some kind of devil-like figure, because, um, or the possibility is, then again, this is just a child that we're seeing, so they very possibly could have mistaken since we obviously find out later in the episode that this indeed is Loki, but it's just a different version of Loki causing all this, more than likely Lady Loki. Uh, you know, those leaks at pictures. Anyway, so more than likely Lady Loki. But, um, if the child had seen Lady Loki, she might have been wearing, uh, her horns, so the kid may have mistaken her for the devil or something, something that looks like a, a, a devil. Um, so, but then Mobius proceed. the kid um, hands Mobius a pack of gum, which, uh, which, and then Mobius proceeds to say, devil bearing gifts which was a strange expression to me I I didn't I don't know why I I don't know I found that really weird like a weird thing to say devil bearing gifts I I don't know but then that led me to the question does Loki maybe make a deal with Mephisto, if Mephisto is part of this, does Loki make some kind of deal with him? Or does 
does if this isn't Mephisto and this is indeed Lady Loki, does she want something? Like, what does she want? Or does she have something to give? I don't know. I, I, that sentence really confused me, that line confused me. So I'm going to come back to this later. Um, I'm going to come back to this whole thing later with, um, with, you know, the, the devil and stuff. So, uh, then we cut to Loki's, um, trial, his hearing, where, uh, Judge Renslayer sentences him to be reset, but Mobi- Mobius stops it. Mobius is like, uh, well, no, I, I actually, um, I think he can help. So, yeah, so then they're walking to the time theater, and I thought it was funny because the TVA, to me, looks like a less chaotic Coruscant, uh, for those of you who are Star Wars people. I don't know if you made that connection, but I made that connection. So, uh, oh, and by the way, I forgot to mention this. When Mobius gets handed Loki's, like, file or whatever, um, I don't know if anybody else saw this, but it's confirmed Loki is indeed gender fluid, which I was so happy about. If you go back, you'll see that on his file, hit under sex, it's listed as fluid. Hold up, I'm gonna take a sip of water. Ooh, okay. Ooh, okay. So, anyway. So, I don't know if anybody else saw that. I saw that, though, and it made me really happy. But, I mean, we already all already knew that Loki's gender fluid. I mean, come on. Come on. Like. Anyway. Okay. So, then we find out. So, then uh, Mobius and Loki are looking through basically a highlight reel of Loki's life. And... Uh, Loki proceed. Mobius proceeds to ask Loki something along the lines of, um, just why? Like, why are you doing this? Like, what do you want out of it? What's your goal? And Loki proceeds to say, of course, take Midgard. And then he proceeds to say that his plan was to go from there. Midgard, nine realms, um, you know, king of space. Loki, king of space, as Mobius decided to put it. Uh, I got another Loki line for you that I'm gonna quote. And I just like, I like, I like Loki's metaphors. So he proceeded to say, The timekeepers have built quite a circus, and I see the clowns are playing their parts to perfection. So that was a good line. Loki has some really good lines. So yeah, so they're going through the tape of Loki's most, like, it's highlight reel. And so, uh, I, I'm gonna look this up real quick so I don't get it wrong. But, uh, they went back in time. They, they rewind, Mobius rewinded a bit to, um, before we met, even met Loki, before 2012. And, they watch a clip of Loki on a plane. And after they're done watching this, 
Mobius proceeds to say, I can't believe you were D.B. Cooper. And then Loki says, I lost a bet to Thor. I was young and I lost a bet to Thor. So, for those of you, and I thought this was funny, when Loki said, um, I have a bomb. And then he proceeded to put on a pair of sunglasses and smile into the camera like he's in the office. Oh my gosh. So, I found that funny. But, so, I'm gonna read, um, this to you. This is off of FBI.gov. So, D.B. Cooper was a real case. And so, I'm gonna read it. Read, um, off their, what they documented off of it. You can search this up. It's, uh, search of D.B. Cooper hijacking. So, it says, On the afternoon of November 24th, 1971, a nondescript man calling himself Dan Cooper approached the counter of Northwest Orient Airlines in Portland, Oregon. He used cash to buy a one-way ticket on flight number 305 bound for Seattle, Washington. You hear them say this in the beginning of the clip that Mobius shows. You hear them say that they're bound for Seattle. Thus began one of the great unsolved mysteries in FBI history. Cooper was a quiet man who appeared to be in his mid-40s wearing a business suit with a black tie and, a, and white shirt. He ordered a drink, bourbon and soda. We love Marvel's. Marvel's guy, keep, keep it consistent, you know? He ordered a drink, bourbon and soda, while the flight was waiting to take off. A short time after 3 p.m., he handed the stewardess a note indicating that he had a bomb in his briefcase and wanted her to sit with him. The stunned stewardess did as she was told, opening a cheap, uh, opening a cheap briefcase, Cooper showed her a glimpse of a mass of wires and red-colored sticks and demanded that she write down what he told her. Soon she was walking a new note to the captain of the plane that demanded four parachutes and $200,000 in $20 bills. When the flight landed in Seattle, the hijacker exchanged the flight's 36 passengers for the money and parachutes. Cooper kept several crew members and the plane took off again, ordered to to set a course for Mexico City. Somewhere between Seattle and Reno, a little after 8 p.m., the hijacker did the incredible. He jumped out of the back of the plane with a parachute and the ransom money. The pilots landed safely, but Cooper had disappeared into the night, and his ultimate fate remains a mystery to this day. So, that's the FBI's, uh documentary of it i'll leave the link to this website in the description but so yeah so they never actually found this guy they never found db cooper and so i found that interesting they never found it but obviously marvel proposed a different scenario to this in which uh it was actually loki and he got scanatched by the bifrost instead of uh jumping out instead of just jumping out of the plane into into the night and um actually where cooper had jumped was over a forest and so you know who knows what happened to him uh so yeah so i found that interesting like i said i will leave the link to the fbi's thingy thing in the description
So, then back into um, Loki's highlight reel. Uh, Mobius then proceeds to tell Loki that had he stayed and not picked up the Tesseract, that he would have went to a cell on Asgard in which he would have told the um dark the 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 um when there was a prison break in which he told them to take the staircase to the left and instead of leading them to thor he led them to his mother and showed her dying and um i just found it, it's it's really interesting because you know Frigga is Loki's soft spot. She's his voice of reason. And obviously, I mean, he literally, like, immediately starts crying when he sees, you know, the situation he put his mother in. And it's it's just, it's a vulnerable moment for him. And I really appreciate it. And I think Tom Hiddleston's acting in that moment was just beautiful and I loved it and I very much I very much appreciated it um so yeah so I love that moment but then uh Mobius and him go on to talk a bit more and um, you know, Mobius said something which really kind of made me upset. Uh, Loki said something. I don't remember what he said. But then Mobius said, oh, like you killed your mother? And, ooh, ooh, ouch, man. Didn't need to go there, but okay. But um, then Loki starts to go after Mobius, but Mobius... Uh, Sends him back to... Loki chucks a chair at Mobius. And then starts to go after him. Which, I mean, come on, man. You, I would have chucked a chair at you, too. So, yeah. So, anyway. Uh, Mobius uses the time twister on Loki. Loki lands on his butt. Back on the ground. And still with tears in his eyes, by the way. And... Uh, that whole scene is great. Again, the whole scene with his mother is just, it's a really vulnerable moment. And I really, it, it, it shows you a more human side of Loki, which we don't get to see a lot, I feel like. Um, at least not at the time that he's in. You know, with 2012 Loki, we really don't see much of a human side to him. So, so yeah. So anyway, Hunter B15 walks in the room, says she needs Mobius. So Mobius offers his hand to Loki to help him up. And you you can go back and look at the episode as Mobius is pulling Loki up. He looks, so Mobius had pocketed the time twister, right? Loki looks right at Mobius's pocket, and you can see some, he, Mobius uses, um, 
Loki uses his right hand to pull himself up, right? And then he takes his left, discreetly reaches into Mobius's pocket, um, and you can see him do this. And then when it cuts to where it's just it's showing um, Mobius and Loki standing right next to each other, you can see Loki pocket the time twister. So he literally pickpocketed Mobius. Um, and then proceeded, when Mobius walks out of the room, he runs off. No surprise there. So, um, then he has this moment with the guy who was at the front desk named Casey, who, uh, Hunter B-15 handed the Tesseract off to, uh, and Casey. Oh my gosh. So, Loki proceeds to go up to him and be like, hey. And Casey's like, hey, you're that guy who was in Loki's like, shut the frick up, bro. Shut up. And then he proceeds to say, what's your name? Casey, why? Give me the Tesseract, Casey, or I'll cut you like a fish. What's a fish? What's a fish? What? I don't even know what a fish is. Well, I, I lived behind the desk for my whole life. And it, it, okay, I just want to know what I'm being threatened with before I agree. Death, Casey. Violent, painful death. Okay, okay, you can have the test right. So then, uh, Casey opens a drawer to his cart and hands the Tesseract to Loki. Well, he doesn't hand, Loki just takes it. And he looks into the drawer and he's like, oh my god, are these infinity stones? What? And this is, um, you know, this is where he, he realizes that in Infinity Stones are useless in the TVA. And Casey's just like, oh yeah, they, they get, he's like, oh yeah, they, these come in a, a lot, you know? And so, and he was like, some guys use them as paperweights, real casual. And so, um, Loki looks at, walks over with the Tesseract still in his hand, and is looking at the, um, screen with the sacred time, showing the sacred timeline on it. And he says, is this really the most powerful thing in the universe? And... That's just, it's such a realization for him because it's dawning on him, like, for real, like, really dawning on him that there's things bigger than his life, you know, the, the that there's things that are bigger than what lives in his bubble. So, yeah, so that's interesting. It's, it's a good moment. I like that moment. Just that one line and, like, the look on his face is... Yeah. So. So, um... Then, the, the... Of course, people go off looking for Loki. Right? A bunch of hunters and Mobius go off looking for Loki. And Hunter B-15 walks in and is like, Oh boy, I'm gonna freaking, freaking reset you, boy. So, he ends up using the Time Twister to put him, loop himself back in time into the room that he was in, um, into the time theater, and 
Hunter B15 ends up resetting Casey's cart and almost ends up hitting him. And he was like, hey. So, um, now Loki's back in the time theater and he starts going through the tape of his life, starting with going back to where he sees his mother die. And then he skips forward a bit until he gets to the end of his life, which is... Oh, oh, and I forgot, um, he sees the moment where Odin dies, and Odin says, I love you, my sons, and yeah, so that's a good moment for Loki, and then Odin fades away and dies, and then Loki gets to see himself die, which was very very painful to watch um he so he's he's scrolling through it and he goes takes you know in infinity war where he takes he gets his dagger behind his wrist and he flips it out to go like cut thanos's throat or whatever and thanos stops him and it has and is choking him to death right and Loki hears himself say his final words, which are, you will never be a god. And as Loki is saying those words, the way they shoot the frame is not like he's saying it to Thanos, but it's like he's saying it to himself, his current self. You will never be a god. And I thought that was interesting, the way they shot that frame. But can I just say that when Thanos snaps Loki's neck, ooh, if you were watching this with headphones on, even if you weren't, they made it, I, I thought it was loud before. Oh my god. They made it so freaking loud. Like, ooh, Jesus. Like, I cringed so bad on that. Because... So, what I thought from this, um, actually, you know what, I'm going to come back to that later. So, then, uh, Hunter B-15 walks in, and they have, and her and Loki have a little, little scuffle, per se, uh, and Loki ends up getting the collar off of himself and puts it onto Hunter B-15 and keeps looping her. <laughs> through the moment where she walks down the stairs just continually looping her until he just puts her back out of the room and so he's sitting there and he's you know he's he's just like sitting there just thinking just thinking and Mobius comes in and is like Loki what you doing man and Loki says something I'm just paraphrasing of course but he says I don't kill people because I like to. I kill people because I don't have any other choice, really, is what he says. And so, you know, he 
which I kind of, I even, he didn't even have to say that, but just from seeing him, I know that's what he feels like, is that he feels that, you know, he's gone through every other option of what he could do to try and get where he needs to be and get him just be heard, really. And for people to see him and he's really honestly left with no other option. He feels like killing people and destroying things is his only option left. It's his last resort. And it's just really sad. It's really sad, honestly. Because I feel like he's been very emotionally neglected for a lot of his life, which is just really sad. And Loki says it himself, he says, a villain. He calls himself a villain, and Mobius says, that's not how I see it. And honestly, I don't really see, I, I don't see it either. I really see, you know, has he done really, really terrible things? Yes. But at the same time, I look at the aspect of he's this person who's been been a shadow, really, his whole life, pretty much. He's been a shadow, and therefore he's not really seen by anybody. Just some, He's just somebody who's been sort of dragged through the mud for a lot of his life, and it's just, it's really sad. To, to hear it and to see it but um, it's relatable it's very relatable so yeah so he does bad things because he feels like he has no other choice so then Mobius tells Loki that he can't he, Loki realizes he's like I can't go back like I can't go back there's no way. And Mobius says that he can't offer him salvation, but he might be able to give him something better. And he doesn't say this, but he says, but I know what it is. Redemption. A place to belong and to do something good and to help people. So Mobius then tells Loki that the variant they're hunting is Loki. So then we cut to this scene where there's they're in this grass field. A bunch of Minutemen show up and they're in this grass field and it's nighttime and it's really eerie. And they're they find oil like on the all over the ground. And one of the uh, Minutemen says Ah, someone must have gotten a hold of a time machine and tried to make bring oil back and make it rich. Which makes me think, are time machines, like, accessible to, like, most people in the future? Like, what? That'd be, that's, that's crazy. So, anyway. So, then, uh, y'all know what happens. Hooded figure shows up, more than likely Lady Loki, if I had to guess. And she burns that. Burns them to the ground. And so she burns the Minutemen. Total 
excuse my language, badass moment. Such a badass moment. And we don't see their face at all. But I thought this was interesting, sort of. It felt kind of like a metaphor. So, going back to the stained glass in France, the in the um, in in the in the church. If if you look at the the devil or the satanic figure that's depicted in the uh. ooh, sorry, I had a burp. <laughs> um, they're standing or like sitting, uh, more standing. They're standing in fire. They're surrounded by fire. And the very last shot before they cut to the the credits is the hooded figure standing in fire, implying that they are the same person, I believe. So, I heard, um, I don't remember who, might have been Tom Hiddleston, who says this, but, who said this, but they said that the devil is um the devil that's depicted in the stained glass is more of just it's kind of a biblical reference so um so a biblical reference to lucifer who if you know anything about um the bible it's um lucifer is satan um satan is actually like a fallen angel so Lucifer was cast out of heaven and damned to hell and he rules hell so um, it might be a biblical reference to Lucifer being cast out of heaven and Loki in the first Thor being cast out of his heaven or Asgard um, when he falls into the wormhole after the Bifrost is destroyed. Um, so that might be a biblical reference. Might not have anything to do with Mephisto at all or any um, satanic figure that could show up in this show. It might just be a biblical reference, which is kind of cool too to me. So I know I've talked a lot about how I've talked quite a bit about my little thing with possibly seeing uh, a satanic figure show up in the show or that um, a fisto might show up or someone like that um of course we're gonna see a lady loki we know that because there's been leaked set pictures and hello everyone um so in case you didn't in case you didn't realize what just happened um that awful that weird weird funky sound was my mic cutting out and it had left you guys in silence for like the last seven or eight minutes of the show so yeah i had been skipping through the episode just like a couple days after i uploaded it and yeah i realized that so now i have to re-record that segment because I didn't want to leave you just cut off the episode right there and I had more to say. So I'd been saying, so I'm just going to get back into it. So I'd been saying that, uh, we know there's going to be Lady Loki in the show because we, we've seen the leaked set pictures of her. I'm going to leave, I left a link to a picture of that down in the 
in, in the description of this episode. Uh, I don't know if it'll work for everybody, but I did. So, yeah, I, I was wrapping up my theory on the devil and, like, whether... Whatever. So, I have a second theory that I came up with. I said I was... I believe I said I was going to come back to it um, in terms of when I was discussing Loki realizing the Infinity Stones are no good in the TVA. So, I think that if, big if, the TVA decides to let Loki go back to his timeline, I think he's going to sneak one of each Infinity Stone back with him. And so, I think that if he does go back to Earth, or back to his timeline, I think that, like I said, I think he, there, with the idea that he'd sneak one of each Infinity Stone back with him, I think using those, he would kill Thanos when he has a chance, um, you know, just when Thanos isn't expecting it and when Thanos doesn't have the Infinity Stones yet, when he hasn't gone on his whole thing of, like, collecting them or whatever. I think he'll just kill Thanos when he has a chance. And so, yeah. So, and then my other thing is, if they do let him back, he, in this second, this alternate theory that I have, that if, again, big if, the TVA decides to let Loki back, he, when he dies in Infinity War, he, he'll fake his death by doing what he did in Thor the Dark World, which is make a copy of himself, make a clone of himself, let the original die, and then live on in the clone's body or whatever, if that makes any sense. Duplicate himself and live on in the duplicate. So I think he'll do that, he'll fake his death, and he'll stay hidden until either Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness or Thor Love and Thunder is when he'll pop back up again, which I feel like that one is the more likely theory of the two that I came up with. Um, and I feel like maybe that's like his, like that might, the timekeepers will let it slide or whatever because he helped them out and um, he helped out the TVA and so that's like his reward is getting to live on even though it changes the time the initial set timeline that the timekeepers had so yeah so that's my little theory and I also thought it was interesting I noticed this before I don't think I said this before in the podcast I thought it was interesting that when Loki's looking in the drawer of infinity stones that he like paused through it for a second and then the one he picks up is the time stone So, I thought that was interesting to mention. So, I think that's all I really had to say. Um, I think I really said everything I had to say. And so, I'm... Yeah. So, I just... To close out of this podcast. uh, My podcast is available now on six platforms. uh, Some being Spotify... Uh, Google Podcasts, um, and a few others, I can't remember, 
off the top of my head. Um, but if you can, if you're able to on whatever platform you're listening to this on, um, if you can like leave a review, uh, like, you know, like a five star review, like you do with your Uber driver just to get it over with. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be greatly appreciated. Okay. Ooh, I had a burp. Sorry. Um, (laughs) but that would be greatly appreciated. And then you can also, you can send in a personal, like, mental health or LGBTQ plus story via my email, which is also in the description. Or even if you just need somebody to talk to or vent to, I'm here to listen. But I swear to God, if you email me for anything else, I will automatically block you, and that is not a joke. So, um, yeah, link in the that's in the, the description of this episode as well. And I think that's really all I have to say. So I'll see you guys next week. With um, I'll talk to you guys next Friday at uh, the next episode will release at. 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Friday uh, for our second Loki episode. I'm going to be doing a similar thing where I just analyze the episode. And yeah, so I'm super excited. So I hope you guys come back and listen to that. And other than that, all I gotta say is love yourself, respect yourself, and treat people with kindness. Peace out.